Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I think we've all had those moments where we're trying to pay off debt or reach some type of financial goal and it feels as if we have other things that are coming up too. Maybe you're trying to get married or maybe you're expanding your family or maybe you're contemplating, do I pay off debt or do I invest? This episode is definitely going to help you get some clarity around how you might approach that in your own personal life. Today was such a fun episode because it was with one of my online friends, Kelly Ann Smith. She is founder of a really popular YouTube channel called Freedom in a Budget and also a blog. You guys are going to love learning from her. Before I give you a little bit about her background, I have to share a really fun money win with you. This money win comes from Holly. Holly says, my husband and I have paid off a total of $23,500 towards our student loans. The deferment and zero interest has really helped us tackle this beast, only a total of $21,000 to go. If we continue this, they will be completely paid off in a year from now. Hashtag money win. Holly, I am super stoked for you. I think you're doing exactly the right thing. I know not everybody can do this, but if you were able to take advantage of the student loan deferment for the United States, that's kind of what's going on with COVID. It's part of our stimulus relief. Then man, you can make some serious progress. So I am really, really proud of you. I think that's really a great way to go. And obviously you're seeing the benefits. So congrats to you and your progress so far. It has been so fun to watch your journey and it's always so inspiring. All right, let's talk a little bit about Kelly Ann Smith. She's founder of Freedom in a Budget, which is a YouTube channel and blog. She helps people of all ages to achieve financial freedom within their budget and become intentional with their money. She publicly shared her journey to paying off $23,000 in 18 months and is now helping people learn how to find freedom through budgeting. In this episode, we talk about a lot of different areas, but here's specifically what you're going to learn. Kelly's extreme financial transformation and paying off her, her student debt, starting a YouTube channel, and what she learned on her financial journey and why that was so impactful for her to stay accountable. 
We go into detail about the time she got her car repossessed and what specifically that experience was like. Managing different expenses around weddings, she decided to cash flow her entire wedding. And one of the things that she did was get very, very clear on some of the expenses. A little bit about real estate investing and where to get started. Investing advice for people who are just starting to pay off debt. This one is so good, and I really need you guys to pay close attention to this if you're just now starting your debt-free journey. Making student debt payment decisions with regards to the possibility of student debt forbearance and forgiveness. This is such a hot topic for us here in the United States right now, so we have a really good conversation around what that might look like. Financial advice that Kelly wishes she would have known how she holds herself accountable and stays motivated. Loved this conversation, it was so fun. And breaking down goals you make for yourself. All of this is just in time for the new year. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with my friend, Kelly Ann Smith. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode today. I'm joined by one of my online and in-person friends, Kelly. Kelly, thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for having me, I'm excited. I am thrilled. I'm so excited because you haven't been on the show yet. So this no. is going to be like good times for us. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. I'm familiar with your story, but for somebody who hasn't heard of you and all of your awesomeness, what are you well known for today? I think I'm most well known for uh, someone that went from having car repossessed, student loans in default, eating spaghetti butter noodles every single night for dinner for two years straight. Um, power turned off, all of that, to now, you know, debt-free, cash flow to my car, cash flow to wedding, and, you know, running a running a business, which is just crazy of what five years has done in our life. And it's just absolute crazy, but so exciting for what's happened and what's coming in the future. Yeah, you've got some cool things coming up for sure. But take us back a little bit. When was the moment where you were like, okay, something has to change. This is clearly not working. I need to get my stuff together. What was that moment for y'all? Well, you would think that it would be when my car was repossessed, but that wasn't a wake-up call enough for me. Really? I really? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't enough. Jamie, my husband, and I, we were dating, and we wanted to get married, and my he went to my dad and asked my dad's permission. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then he went to his parents and his parents said, no, they said, we love Kelly, but you need to get your money in order. You need to save $10,000, which we were like $10,000. We would talk to our friends and everyone was like, we don't have 10,000. We don't have 10,000. Now looking back, like we have much more than 10,000 in the bank and laugh at our mindset back then. But we really took that to just like, all right, you know, Let's get our act together and start getting serious. And so I found Dave Ramsey and became obsessed with it. And Jimmy wanted, he would like hear about it, but he didn't want to talk about it as much as I did. So I need to start <laughs> a YouTube channel because just because I was like, I'm learning so much. I need to talk about it. I need to find like-minded people. Yep. So that's what happened. And that was just the starting, like the changing point for me of keeping myself accountable of you know, getting my money in order. I was putting out budget report cards. I was sharing everything I was spending. Like I was super vulnerable and open to the internet, but it kept me accountable and it kept me motivated. Did you get any, I mean, I'm, I know you did. <laughs> did you get any haters over the years of like, why are you doing this? It doesn't make sense. Oh yeah. Um, any of that? Oh yeah. All the time, all the time. And I even got some of like, you're paying your husband because he he gets a higher eating out budget than you do. So you're paying him to stay with you. 
and you should start <laughs> di- right. You should start a divorce sinking fund, and yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. What you're like? You're you're married, aren't you? Very yeah. clearly. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? Yeah, people are crazy. I think it's always so interesting. But as a whole, do you find is YouTube pretty toxic or is it mostly positive? I think it's mostly positive, you know, for every negative comment I get, I get a hundred positive comments and, you know, people telling me their own journeys and people, you know, saying, Hey, you helped me do this or Hey, because of you, I did this. And I never was able to learn about investing before you. And, you know, it was such a man's world and, you know, you were able to break it down in a way that I understood it. And that's what I'm all about. Like when I started investing, I didn't understand it. So I'm trying to teach it the way that I learn it myself. And I'm a slow learner. So if you're a slow learner, you're perfect. (laughs) Dude, me too. (laughs) I feel that. Yeah. I'm very much that way too. I I don't want to gloss over your past because I think you went through a lot of very emotionally trying times. So I want to talk a little bit about the car situation. So where were you in your life when the car got repossessed and like, what were some of the circumstances behind that? This is so terrible. Like, it's even more embarrassing when I actually say it out loud than when it actually happened. Well, it was embarrassing when it happened too. But I was at a point where I wasn't budgeting. I wasn't controlling my spending. And a lot of people don't believe me when I say this. I've gotten a lot of hate comments calling me a liar on this. But I literally was making extra payments on my car because that's what my uncle told me to do, to pay it off early, make extra payments. So what I would do is I'll make, I would make some extra payments and then I'd be like, oh, I'm paid ahead. Let me skip a couple of months. And then I make some extra yes. payments. Let me skip a couple of months. And I just wasn't keeping track of it. And in my head, I thought I was paid ahead. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I wasn't. And I wasn't tracking my spending. I wasn't track. you know, I didn't have a budget. So I didn't know any of that. And so I walked out of my apartment one day. I'll never forget it. And I looked out and my car wasn't there. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe I parked in guest spot because someone, you know, it would periodically happen and I would have to park in someone else's spot. Nope. Car's not there. So I called the, so I called the police. I said, my car's not here. It was stolen. She looked it up and she was like, ma'am, your car was not stolen. Your car was repossessed. Oh, I was mortified. Oh my God. So I had to, I worked for a small family owned company back then. So I found a ride to work and called them and all that stuff. And they ended up giving me a pay advance. And I had to go to the owner's office and ask for it. And I was bawling my eyes out. And he's like, Mm. what is going on? Like, he thought like something like tragic happened, like something happened to a family member, someone died, something like, and it was like, my car got repossessed. And it was so rough. But all because I wasn't tracking my spending. Like it could have been avoidable. And I had the money in the bank which makes it even more frustrating. Like, so I had to pay an extra thousand dollars to get out of repossession, pay for the tow truck, people pay all that stuff. Like you had to pay advance three months or something like that. Like, Oh my goodness. Crazy. Did they, they didn't even like give you a heads up. Like, yo, we're taking your car on this day. They just, I had like, I also had student loans in default, different things like that. So any number that, wasn't saved in my phone book. I was avoiding like (laughs) totally. So they probably were calling, but I don't, I didn't receive any letters. I think they had an old address, but they probably had my active phone number and I just wasn't, I saw the unknown or a different errand code and nope. Yep. I mean, I do that to this day too. So I get it. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. This number I'm not answering. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I, I find it so fascinating that you 
so you then were deciding, okay, we're going to get married. We need to get $10,000 in the bank. And we're mm-hmm. looking at this number that seems probably like a million dollars. How did you guys get 10 grand in the bank? Like what was your strategy there? I don't think by the time that we got married, we ended up having the 10 grand. Well, we, we ended up cash flowing the wedding, but I think they just wanted to see like the progress of it. And they used 10, 10 grand as a, as an example. Now they gave us an ultimatum with it. Like, do I wish they had done that? Mm, probably not. You know, I wish they had more of like given us advice, like, Hey, this is what we, you know, would suggest versus an ultimatum. But yeah, um, that's what it was. But it just, you know, it really just lit the fire under us. And I honestly think it was a hundred percent YouTube. It was a hundred percent the accountability that I had, the community that I built Like, I think back, if I didn't start my YouTube channel, I don't know where I'd be today. Like, I would be a completely different person. And I know it sounds cliche to say that, but it's, I wouldn't have the drive and the dedication that I have now. I think it's an important thing. And I think that community is always interesting to see for us, like money nerds, where do you go to get that support? Mm Because eventually your family gets tired of you talking about money all the time. And if you're on the Dave Ramsey train, they're probably like, get like, we don't want to hear this guy's name anymore. (laughs) So I can imagine it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And just finding those people that had those same goals as you and, you know, like changing those goals and being like, okay, we did this goal. Now what's next? What's next? Always looking for something bigger, always looking to see what, what else can we do? Tell me about cash flowing your wedding. That's a pretty unique, rare thing to do in today's world. So like how much did your wedding cost? What did it look like? Give me all the deets. So I wanted like a $5,000, five to $10,000 wedding. My husband is bougie. He was the groomzilla. Is and, it really? Oh yeah. He's <laughs> bougie. And we live in South Florida. So it's very, very high cost of living area down here. You know, we're close to Miami and, you know, Miami nightlife and everything. And he actually is in the entertainment business and does live production. So he does like all the lights and special effects and all that stuff for like concerts and different things like that. So he is very, you know, bougie when it comes to that stuff. And he actually worked for a production company that did weddings as a side hustle when we were um, dating and engaged. And the minimum for that company was like $100,000, $200,000 weddings, bar mitzvahs, all that stuff. Yeah, like people drop in like crazy cash on the bar mitzvah. It was insane. So his like, you know, worth of a wedding was $100,000, $150,000 and expected that. And then when we went to pricings out, I was like, oh, heck no, we're not paying that much for this special effect or this or whatever it is. And so we were able to compromise whatever. And so we did, we ended up coming on $30,000 and, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And a lot of people were like that went to the wedding. They thought we'd pay a lot more for it, but we were able to call in some favors, do some DIYs. One thing we actually did is in the middle of hurricane Irma, we lost power and me and my mother-in-law, we were staying over their house. Me and my mother-in-law was making the place cards by lantern light with no power in the middle of the hurricane for the wedding. <laughs> Rustic. Yeah. Cause it was like three weeks before the wedding. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's wild. I love that you were able to find a good compromise because your poor husband is like, what? We can't have a 200,000. Why not? What's going on here? Exactly. Exactly. Need the lights to be perfect. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Poor guy. How long did it take for you guys to save up enough to pay for the wedding in cash? We started, I started before, I started saving before we got engaged. 
because we were we were dating for three years and I was ready to get engaged like less than a year into dating. Um, So I had already started saving. And then uh, I think it took us maybe like a year of hardcore saving to save up the 30 grand. And my husband was actually on the road and on a show for six weeks before the wedding. Mm. So I didn't see him for, for over six weeks right before we got married. But that gig um, paid for a third of the wedding. So Damn. yeah, I was like, okay, you can go. Yeah. Go. <laughs> like, six, okay, yeah, how about 12? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. wild. Yeah. So, okay. So he was gone six weeks before the wedding. You're trying to plan it all. You're trying to get everything put together. How did you guys, like, did you have all of the money before you got married or did you like try to like pay for it as you went? How did that work? We paid for it as we went. Yeah. Okay. We paid for as much as we could, called for, you know, cash discounts and different things like that, which I was surprised a lot of places gave, gave those like cash or check discounts. Really? Um, yeah. Like photographers, DJs, all of those. Yeah. Cause they don't have Did- to play credit card fees. So they're like, okay. Oh, so- heck yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm making a no ask for cash discounts. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tony and I are considering we're going to get married eventually. You, you know, my such there anyway. Yeah. So eventually, um, but that's one of the things too, where now we're putting numbers on paper mm-hmm. and legit Kelly, I'm looking at this. I'm like, dude, this is another property. Like, why are we going to get married? Like, this is dumb. It's so crazy. Looking back. I'm like, what did I spent that much? Uh, I don't know. Like, what would you have done differently though, to save costs? If you had to go back? <sighs> I don't know. Like we honestly, we probably cut it. Like we would have to cut out full things Yeah. in order. Like we got it down really frugally. And like, especially the, where we live, like the venue alone was 15 grand. So the venue alone was half of the cost. Right. And then when you, you know, dress and, you know, DJ and photographer, all that stuff, we went, we went with a good photographer. That was one thing we didn't skimp on. What's the cost for a good photographer? Like, what should we budget for for weddings? We, ours was thirty five hundred. Oh, that's great! Yeah. So I know some people that have like spent ten grand on photographers. Like, you know, different. Also depends on the area that you live in. I believe ours was a favor. It was a referral, and I think the girl that referred us was like, "Hey, you give her a deal," type of thing. Oh, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah. The perks to knowing people. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I like it. So then you paid for your wedding in cash. Uh, did you guys like honeymoon immediately? What, what'd you do there? We, we actually planned our wedding around our honeymoon because we got married in hurricane season. There was only one cruise ship leaving South Florida the whole month of October because of hurricane season. So we found out that one ship date and we, we planned our wedding around it. So then Smart. we went on a, on a cruise. Yeah. Where'd you go? We did Cosmo, Bahamas, and St. Kitts. Very nice. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Good way to relax after all the chaos of weddings. Yeah. And it was perfect because we're in South Florida. So we just drove down, you know, to the port 30 minutes away and hopped on a ship. And yeah. Can't beat that. Okay. So now you guys are married and you're like, all right, we're going to start working towards this debt piece. So then you started to pay off before. You paid off your debt before the wedding? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I thought it was after. No. That, <gasps> was, that was before. Bad research, Whitney. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so you paid off all of the student loans. So well, like 23000 right? 
So 23,000, I was paying off um, myself before, and then my grandmother passed away. And so she, we used the inheritance from her to knock out the last, I don't even remember what it was. It was like 10, 10, 12 grand, something like that. So we used the last bit from her and then everything else we just invested. I was like, I don't want to, I'm going to pretend like I don't know it. I don't have it. And so I don't blow it. So we just, we just completely invested and put it towards our retirement. Wow. And then we went hardcore and saving for the wedding right from there. Got it. Okay. So now what, what, what are you guys working on now? What are your big financial goals? Now we're working on, um, we're saving up for a first rental. We want to, we want to start getting into some real estate investing and yes. house last year. So now we want to, now we want to start doing investment properties and stuff. What are, what's your strategy? Are you going to house hack? You're going to live in the same house, rent that one. What are you thinking? No, we love our house. Um, and it, it, took tooth and nail to find it because school zones are so bad in Florida. Mm. Um, So we bought our house for our school zone and we actually paid a lot more for it because of the school zone. Um, So we're, we want to stay here for a while. Our next door neighbor, they wanted to only live here for five years and now they're original owners and they've been here for 35 years. So we're like, all right, this is a good place to raise kids and they have their own kids now. And so it's a really, really great place um, here. So we want to stay here as long as we can um, and then just buy rentals, you know, maybe buy some duplexes, different things like that. Um, it's hard with cost of living. I'll be honest, like an average house down here is like two to three hundred thousand dollars for like a starter home. So and then the duplexes, they're not in the best area. So kind of, mm-hmm. you know, trying to research or so think about maybe going out of area um, you know, just kind of weighing all the pros and cons of all of that. How are you, how are you weighing out these decisions or like logistically calculating what you might do? Is there any like resources you're using? I have a lot of friends that are real estate people. Um, so I'm, you know, there are other YouTubers. So I just call them and be like, Hey, what do I think for this? Like <laughs> Bryce Matheson, those types of people. And they're like, well, this is what I did. Or, Oh, this is what I think you should do or different That's things awesome. like that. So just calling on my resources. I freaking love that. It's like a good theme for this podcast too. <laughs> I'm noticing it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> like why recreate the wheel? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so with you guys, you you're saving up for, is it a down payment on the real estate or like, are you going to pay cash or like, what are you thinking? No, we'll do it. We'll do a down payment on a loan. Um, but I do want to make sure I'm a very big, like risk adverse type of person. Like I have way more in savings than I should. Like I'm, I'm the type of person, like if something happened, I think it comes from like having my car repossessed and having, you know, my power turned off. Like I'm just so nervous about stuff like that. So I want to make sure that we have a really good emergency fund for that house, for our house. You know, we already have our house emergency fund. So just make sure we have enough funds if something happens over there. And, you know, I just think the worst, what if, you know, the roof leaks and the AC goes out and this and that and all at once type of thing. That's smart. I think it's yeah. a good way to go with your personal emergency fund. How did you, how'd you approach it? Is it like a standard, like six months? Did you go up to 12? Like what, what did you do there? We're building it up. Um, when we moved from our apartment to our house, it, the months went down. It was a full six month emergency fund. Now it's like a four month. So we're trying to build it back up slowly, yeah. but I'm also trying to like do that balance of investing more so that 
you know, we can build wealth faster that way. Um, we saw like this year of having this house and how we really went hard on our investments of like how fast we were able to build wealth. And it's just like, it's crazy. And it is now perfect. we're just like, let's just invest everything. But no, let's say <laughs> <laughs> we're going to live on 20%. We can't do anything ever right. again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like, I like that you mentioned this balanced approach. So I'm curious for somebody that's starting to pay off debt, they're brand new to this process. They've got their list of their debts and maybe their, you know, snowball or avalanche. Um, they've got their strategy in mind. Mm-hmm. They, I know a lot of people get confused on like, should I still put money towards my investment? Should I still put money towards savings while paying off debt? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? I think a hundred percent still do a company match on 401k. Like that is like just a no brainer for me of, you know, like that's free money. Um, especially as like companies are doing it now. Again, I know that a lot starts because of the pandemic, but most companies are starting again in the new year. Um, so that's number one. And I think that, you know, just kind of weighing your goals of what, you know, do you have an emergency fund? If you don't have an emergency fund, I think you should get at least a healthy emergency fund, at least a month's worth of savings. Um, not a thousand dollars. I don't think that's enough. Um, and then, you know, build it up slowly as well, you know, kind of look at the investments. I never used to be one to look at the types of debt and like good debt versus bad debt. I was very anti that, but now I've learned that, okay, if it has a 3% interest rate and I could put it in the market, I can get a lot more bang for my buck, you know? So it's just, you got to know people's personalities and just like, is this going to be something that am I going to go hog wild and put all of my money in, you know? Or can I still make progress on both goals type of thing and just kind of like lay them out. And I'm a very big scenario based. I'll run numbers all day long of like, okay, if I put this much extra towards this debt, then I can pay it off in this time and save this much in interest. Okay. If I put it in the market and it has 7% return, then I can do this with it. And so just kind of running all the numbers. A true money nerd. I, b- I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't expect anything less. <laughs> In the nicest way possible. <laughs> so, okay. So you're, you're slowly building up your personal emergency fund to a healthy level where you guys feel comfortable. You're saving mm-hmm. for a house down payment fund for real estate investing. And then you're investing as well. Can you tell us a little bit about like your investing strategies? Are you DIYing this? Are you using robo advisors, mm-hmm. financial, like what, what are you doing there? We DIY it. We put, you know, money into a index fund. And then I also play around with like the brokerage accounts. Um, that's more just for like fun money. Yeah. I would never thought that I would ever say that, but, um, you know, it's just, it's fun to play around, but then it's fun to, you know, see, especially like Tesla stock. We, we got into Tesla like a year and a half ago and when it was in the two hundreds, low two hundreds and what? Yeah. That's seeing how much it's grown, it's like, whoo, this is fun. Like, I'm going to keep on doing this. You're going to be like so. the next day trader. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know you better than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so we're big on like dollar cost averaging. We're big on, you know, index funds, ETFs, leave it and forget it type of. We're long-term, long-term investors for sure. How did you learn about investing? YouTube. YouTube and just, you know, picking people's brains and, um, you know, talk to investing friends or friends that have been doing it longer than I have and just asking the questions. Like I remember in like mastermind calls of the guys would be talking about like dividends and this stuff. And I'd be like, I don't know what a dividend is. Like, 
Okay. I'm just going to nod my head and act like I do. Like, I didn't even know what a dividend was. And like, now I'm teaching investing. And so it's just like crazy when I think back to how much I've learned over the past year or two, like, it's just crazy. But I learned something new about investing every day. I think it's it's smart and I like that you make investing approachable too because I think that's mm-hmm. um very much so it's like a lot of people are intimidated about it. It seems like a lot of money, it's a lot of risk and for people especially that just paid off a lot of debt, it feels so hard to part with that money that you just earn. Yeah. You know, you're like, "Oh god, it's my money. I want to keep it in the savings where I can see it." So I mean, I get it. I think it's a tricky thing to do. I think a lot of people when they think of investing, remember when they think of like Wall Street and like old men yelling at the computer screens and like <laughs> totally. like crowded room like that's what they think and then they also think of like 07 and 08 when people lost all their money they don't think yeah. about today they don't think about the now like like even in 2020 we thought that the economy was going to go to crap and like you know it went up a lot and it did great um, all of our investments made us money and so you got to think of like the now, the present, not just that. Then you also think the long term of what is it going to be in 30 years? When are you going to want to retire? Are you going to want to retire in the next five years? Okay. And be a little bit more conservative than a long-term investor, someone that's in their thirties that has the time. I love it. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think we have very similar mindsets when it comes to investing too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is so fascinating is the shift that people go through when it comes to initially deciding I'm going to pay off my debt into taking that action. So talk to me about some of like the mindset work that you did to make that transition and then money mindset stuff that now you're working through today. Hmm. I think just paying off the debt, the biggest mindset was just getting these people off my back, like getting these people off my, my shoulder, you know, having student loans and collections. And I remember like when my student loans were in default, I got to the point where I, I had made a budget. I was, you know, had money in the bank to put towards my debt, but they were in default. I couldn't even pay them. And so I'd be calling them like, can I just give you my money? And they're like, no, you have to go through this process and this and then wait six months. And like, it finally got to the point where I was just like, I just want to give you my debt and then, or give you the money to pay it down. And then I would track the, like the money, the interest that I'd be saving. I would track how much I paid off and like, okay, if I, you know, paid an extra hundred dollars, then that was really saving me $110 because of interest. Like, oh, that knocked off, you know, a quarter of a month or whatever it was. And so I saw that and I got addicted to it of like, I can pay off more and I can like cut time off. And so that was really motivating me. And even though I knew that an inheritance could be coming, but I didn't know when it was or anything like that. So I was just like, I'm going to work tooth and nail and pretend that it's never coming. And then when it does, it's just, you know, we're just going to use it and, you know, take it as a blessing, of, mm. you know, in a really sucky situation and, you know, trying some of it for good. You're, you're hitting on a point that I'm hearing a lot from people right now too, is almost that we're seeing this with the political climate. Mm-hmm. People are kind of holding on and saying, I may not pay back my student loans yet because what if part of it gets forgiven or what if it all gets wiped out? Mm-hmm. And so we're we're kind of seeing that. So do you have any like words of advice on somebody that's going through that situation currently? I have mixed emotions on that. Same. I'm I'm the type of person that, you know, if you owe it a debt, then pay it type of thing and not to rely on government. Now, if you have other debts, 
that you're paying off, like say you have some credit card debts or say you have car loan and student loans that in this time of, you know, the, the forbearance, whatever it is, of putting more money towards that then. And, you know, while we have this time and then say it doesn't get forgiven, then you can go through the process or if it does, then you just put that extra money towards those other debts. But I don't know, I guess that would be my only advice of, you know, if you want to pivot a little bit to some of your other debts during this time, then do that. But I never would count on the government giving me anything until it's signed, sealed, delivered in writing. Here's a paper saying that's paid in full, all of that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When we got the first stimulus check, the first, the only um, the stimulus <laughs> check, I was legit shocked. I did mm-hmm. not think that was going to happen. And when it finally did, I was like, I'll be damned. <laughs> like, I what know. is this? I had friends that like called me and they were like, Kelly, can I cash this? Like, Kelly, can I use this <laughs> money? Like, yes, you can use it. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> no, I, I respect that. I think that's a really good piece of advice too. So talking through the mindset shift now that you're working through today to become a real estate investor, a business owner, like you're at a very different stage in your life than when you were paying off debt. What are mm-hmm. some of the emotions and mindsets that you're working through now? I'm just working on the, the biggest thing is just the mindset of, I can do anything with, with education, putting myself through it. You know, I'm someone that, you know, struggled in school. I struggled to learn. I was a, I had to work hard to be a C, C or D student. Like I'm not a straight A student type of thing, but I've learned that if I just power through it, like I can learn it, I can learn investing. I can learn how to, you know, do real estate investing. I can learn all this stuff. And I'm not going to let those past things hold me back. I'm, you know, shooting for the stars as cheesy as it is. Like, I feel like the sky's the limit on how much income we can make, how much we can do. And, you know, really being a business owner, I've really learned that there's no ceiling to our income. Like, it's crazy of how we just had a $5,000 income month on my business. And I'm like, that's crazy yeah. to think of like where I was five years ago when I made a hundred dollars on YouTube, like it's now five grand. Like what, if I made $5,000, like this, not even including our day job or anything, that's just business. Mm-hmm. Like if I made that a month back then, like that would be life changing for me. For sure. I was deep in debt. Like it's just crazy of what happens when you come up with a plan and stick to it and figure out what are you going to do to make it happen? So with your, your mindset, I know you mentioned like you kind of, you, you believe that you can earn as much as you would like. And I, I love that. I think it's such a great place to, to get to. How did, how did you get to that point though? Like, was there any like strategies? Was there anything that you did to remind yourself that it's possible for you? Yeah. One thing that I, I read the book recently, um, 12 week year. And one thing that he talks about in that book is, um, lead indicators versus lag indicators. And so many people, are like, okay, I want to make a hundred grand this year. I want to do this. And that's my goal. That's my 2021 goal. And then they stop there. Like they just write down what their goals are. And he really <laughs> breaks it down of like, okay, well, what are you going to do to get there? How are you going to do it? Let's break it down. Let's break it down to 12 weeks. Okay. In those 12 weeks, what are you going to do? What are you going to you know, do each week and all this stuff? So for me and my business, I broke it down saying, okay, what are, what's going to make me money? How many YouTube videos am I going to put out? How many blog posts? How many times am I going to email sponsorships? Because I know it's a numbers game. The more I email, the more I get type of thing. What am I physically going to do to make me money? What am I going to do to bring in leads? How am I going to do this? And it was those individual tasks 
that helped me get there versus just like, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And that really kept me accountable. And I would check off like at the beginning of every week, I would make my tasks of what I had to do. And I would even put in like how much water I was drinking, going for a daily walk to make sure my mental health, putting in all of those. And I would check off if I did it or not. And then I gave myself a score at the end of the week. And it really helped to keep me accountable and to check in with everything every every week to make sure I was hitting those goals. Was there any any point in that process where you felt like it was a little extra tough or like that you really had to kind of use some grit to get through it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and I didn't, like I was so focused on the end score that there was times where I didn't want, like I would have one of the daily tasks to read 30 minutes a day where I'm like, I don't want to read. I'm tired. I just want to watch a police show on YouTube because I'm addicted to 60 days in. I'd rather (laughs) do that than, (laughs) than read but I want to get that check mark and I don't want like this to like downplay my score at the end of the week. Like I don't want to get like an 80 versus an 83 because of this. So I would just suck it up and they were like, okay, I read for 30 minutes. Now, now I can do what I want or whatever it may be. And those really helped push me because I'm such a data numbers person, such a money nerd that I was like, okay, got to do what we got to do. And that really helped keep me accountable. That really helped push me. I think a lot of people feel like they're not a data or numbers person until you have that in front of you. And it makes Mm -hmm. it so applicable. It's like, okay, I need to email five sponsors today. I need to do two videos recorded. Like I I love that. I think it makes so much sense when you were doing this. Is this like on paper or how, how did you structure this? Yeah, I was just in a journal sweet. Yeah. I would just do it in a journal. I would have the week's goals. And then at the end of the week, then I would write what I thought went well for the week, what didn't go well for the week. And then next week, what, like, what are my goals for it? What do I want to do better that I couldn't do? Like more of like a reflection type of thing. This is so fascinating to me. So I've done something similar in my own life and I love it. It works like so, so damn well, but like, let's break down for you. So when you were looking at, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar goal. And that's the one that you want to hit with your business. What, how do you begin to break it down? Are you looking at categories that bring in revenue for you or like, Mm -hmm. what's the sitch? Yeah. Like categories of, okay, I need to bring in this much in ad revenue. I need to bring in this much in sponsors. I need to bring in this much in core sales, this much in digital products. And, you know, I, and then every month when I do wear a budget at the end of the month, I figure out how much it is and like different things like that. And affiliates like this year, I already went over my goal in affiliates of what I had set, but I just keep on plugging along. Like, I'm not like, okay, I'm going to stop promoting affiliates. No, like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit short in ads and revenue. So we're going to have to bust our butt a little bit more in this category. That's so cool. And then does, do you work in like flexibility throughout the year too? So oh, like yeah. if you get to Q2 and you're like, I don't, I'm not going to hit this. I don't even care about this one. You just take it out or how does it work? I just take it out or I may work harder. Like say Q2 sucked, Q3, I got to push hard. Like I got to sure. like, Kelly, you slack, Kelly, you didn't do good. Or these things <laughs> fell through and it was out of your control, but life happened. So let's put our big girl panties on and let's, let's hustle down. Extreme ownership. I kind of love this. Yeah. I think it's a great way to go. How do you, how do you personally prefer to work? Like walk us through like what your work process is like. Well, it starts with a couple soup mugs full of coffee. I'm a big coffee drinker. <laughs> <Soup mugs. laughs> and they're ginormous and everyone makes fun of me for them. 
I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I'm a big coffee drinker and that, that really helps, you know, get me going. And I honestly work way too much. It's something that I'm trying to cut back on. I still work a full day job. Um, but on my lunch break every night until, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I'm working the full weekend is all work. Um, if I do like take a day off, I feel guilty type of thing. Mm. Um, but I'm also like, I want to build this business hard now so that when we have kids, I can coast or I can, you know, work 20 hours a week. So I'd rather put in the time now where we don't have kids so that when the time comes that we do, hopefully in the next year or two, then I can, then I can coast a little bit. Yep. I, I feel that 150%. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're in similar situations there too. With your, with your workflow, how do you stay productive? Do you have like any like little hacks or tips that you've been utilizing? Oh, I'm so bad at this. Um, it doesn't sound like it. Side note. <laughs> I really, I feel like I have like undiagnosed ADD. I'm really trying. I have to daily like remind myself to only work on one task at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of person like I'll, I'll do five different things at once. And then I'll be like, Kelly, you're not being productive. Like, okay, let's, let's do one thing at a time and then bang it out type of thing. So I'm trying to get better at that. I tried block scheduling. That didn't work for me. Um, I'm a big to-do list person. That really helps keep me on track. If I write down everything that I have to do for the day and I'll even put things on the list that I've already done to make myself feel more productive, like brush your teeth. So that when I look at the list, I can be like, hey, I already did some of this stuff. We're plugging along. We can keep on going. Whereas if I see a list that's like nothing's checked off, it just feels overwhelming and I can't do it. So I always put some stuff on there that I've already done, like brush your teeth, drink coffee, take a shower. <laughs> Love that. No, I, I need those little wins too. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I think that we've covered a lot of ground and I think it's really helpful because I, I mean, definitely there's going to be something in this episode that speaks to everybody no matter where they're at. So I'm so grateful that you took the time to do that. We didn't get to talk a little bit about YouTube, but tell us about your YouTube channel because I think it's phenomenal. Thanks. Um, it's called freedom in a budget and it's just sharing my journey of, you know, everything that we've pretty much talked through of, you know, my debt free journey and now where I'm at with investing and learning about, you know, money, different ways to handle your money, different money hacks. Um, I'm big on like basic money lessons on it, savings challenges, money challenges, different things like that, just to keep you motivated and, this was the stuff that I liked watching when I was getting out of debt or learning about stuff just to keep me, keep me going while I would be driving or putting my makeup on or whatever it is. So that's what I'm all about. I love it. All right, my friend, are you down for some rapid fire questions before we officially part? Oh gosh, let's bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First question for you. What is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? That has made my life better. Probably my heating pad because it keeps me warm and cozy and happy. <laughs> we were dying beforehand. We're like in Florida, we need <laughs> heating pads. <laughs> I live in South Florida, not far from the equator, but I need a heating pad. <laughs> hey, it's necessary. I get it. <laughs> okay. So I am obsessed with people's morning routines and you've already alluded that you have lots of coffee, but paint us a little bit more. What does your morning routine look like? This is embarrassing, but now that I work from home, I roll out of bed and hit snooze 
a million times and I literally wake up. I hope my boss doesn't hear this, but I wake up at like 7.28 to clock in for 7.30 mm-hmm. and like pretty much just as much time to walk down the hallway, turn on my computer and log in and then go make coffee and start my day slowly like that. I like it. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Next question for you. Uh, Post-COVID, where is one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Norway. Norway's on our bucket list. I'm Norwegian, a quarter Norwegian. So definitely want to travel to Norway. Um, My husband just asked me the other day, he's like, do you want to go to Europe in December? And this was like two weeks ago. And I was like, no, we can't. Like, we're in a pandemic. You can't tell me to travel to Europe within like three weeks. I need a plan. I need to budget. No, but yeah. <laughs> tell them I'll go. <laughs> At this stage, I'm like, I'll go anywhere. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's good rough. All right. Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Oh, goodness. Um, having a budget and just tracking your spending and just having that keep you accountable and just knowing, knowing where your money's going, finalizing it at the end of the month. That's the biggest thing that I find is people don't finalize their budget and then any money left over, put that towards your debt. Beautiful. Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out. It was so much fun. fun. Tell us a little bit about your course. If anybody wants to join in and learn more from you. Yeah, I have a brand new course. It's called dreamer to profitable. And it's basically just teaching about taking a side hustle to the next level or, you know, having a big dream of a business, whatever it is, and taking that dream to making it profitable. And it talks about um, different ways to bring in more revenue. It talks about creating systems and creating revenue streams in just different ways that you can do that. How I expedited my process of, you know, creating this business and how to how to do it yourself. And I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to going to be big for a lot of people. I've already gotten a lot of great feedback in the beta testers and it's exciting. Congrats on the course launch. I'm so stoked for you. Thank you again for taking the time to hang out with us and share all of your fun tips and wisdom. You were such a rock star. So it was really fun to catch up with you and chat with you. Thanks so much. All right. What'd you think? I love this episode with Kelly. I think she's such a rock star, but more than anything, I loved her approach to finding that freedom in a budget. Truly. I know it sounds cliche and a lot of people think budgeting is super restrictive, but I think if you get into it and you start to see how it can open doors for your financial life, it's just makes the world of difference. My friend, I I really do believe that. And I know Kelly does too. Do us the biggest favor. If you have enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. And let me know that you're listening in. More importantly, let me know that you are taking action on some of the things we talked about today and leave a review if you have not done so already. That's all the things to do. If you want to support this show, it all matters so much. And it all really does make a big difference in getting this show in front of more people and helping other people change their financial lives. I'm so grateful for your support. Hope you have an amazing holiday and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye.